For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And a very pleasant welcome to another edition of After Hours with Tifo and Luby, Jeff DeForest, and Mike Luby Lubitz, uh, broadcasting around the world on the Believe Network. And it's interesting, too, because uh, it wasn't uncommon in New York uh, growing up as a kid when baseball was the number one game uh, growing up in the 50s, and you played uh, every hybrid version in the streets that you could think of, of baseball. We all admired our major leaguers. We're all big Yankee fans at the time. And uh, you would see the players that uh, you admired most, and they'd have a big chaw of tobacco uh, in uh, their mouth there. And you were thinking, that would be cool. I think I'll try it. And so you ended up choking to death as yeah. <laughs> a seven-year-old uh, trying to play punch ball uh, while chewing tobacco. And, and uh, here's a gentleman, and it's great to introduce him to the show here because uh, kind of a unique uh, thing to uh, bring to you here on our After Hours program uh, this morning. We welcome to the show uh, former uh, pitcher, Rob Nelson, a left-hander who was uh, with a team that was actually uh, uh, that was uh, commemorated uh, in in history and film history, uh, a movie called "The Battered Bastards of Baseball." There you go. It was about the uh, Portland Mavericks, and uh, he was uh, toiling around in the bullpen one night for the Mavericks. And uh, Rob, welcome to the show. I'll let you tell the rest of the story. Uh, how you came up with an idea, and it's like, holy Ty Cobb, man! Uh, why didn't I think of that uh, <laughs> about? Uh, you know, what has become uh, one of the most popular products and, and now a Hall of Fame, and, and that is the uh, a Big League Chew. Well, <clears throat> it's an amazing story. I think it started when I was 11 years old playing baseball on Long Island in Massapequa. Uh, my two brothers and I were always known as Nelly. Uh, one of my favorite bubblegum trading cards was Nelly Fox, who yes. – played the game the way you just described him. He had a big wad of something in his mouth, and I didn't know what it was when I was a kid. But he used that big, thick-handled bat you could hit with either end. And so I used his bat, and I chewed <laughs> a ton of bubble gum when I was 11 years old, and I was always a gum guy. And uh, I, I think that fast-forward 15, 16 years later when I'm sitting in the bullpen with the Portland Mavericks, and uh, I didn't get to pitch very much, so I got to think a lot out in the bullpen. And I was running a kid's baseball camp there, a little Maverick baseball school. And there's still a lot of little boy in me, either, even now. And uh, But back then, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if uh, – and I'm looking at my teammates who were chewing and spitting and making a mess of themselves. Yeah. And I asked Jim Bouton, my teammate, former Yankee, uh, in the bullpen. I said, Jim, give it chew tobacco. And he said, I tried it once. I think he said he was in the Carolina League. I tried it once. I was overseas. I remember the guy who said, Rob, you ought to try this. His name was Danny Smith, and we were in Johannesburg in South Africa. It was a memory that was etched in my brain. And I said, you know, it never made sense to me. I probably chewed for 30 seconds, and I couldn't throw batting practice. And then maybe an <laughs> inning later, I said to Jim, I said to Jim, uh, you know, I've been thinking, suppose we shredded gum and put it in a pouch, and we'd look cool, but we wouldn't 
get ill. And and Jim's eyes got as big as baseballs. And I'd shared the idea with a few other people along the way. Russell, you know, the actor who was the teammate as well, his dad, Bing Russell, who was the, the greatest owner of all time, former sheriff on Bonanza, the TV series. So I was hanging out with some really different thinking people. Jim Bouton is the only guy who said two things. I love this idea and I can sell it. And so on wow. a handshake out in the bullpen in the summer of 1977, we came up with an idea uh, uh, that has, we're almost at 1 billion pouches wow. sold. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. But it was just, as Jim said, the greatest idea ever to come out of a bullpen. And uh, he said Rob, Rob had the inspiration and he was the perspiration. Jim is the guy who pounded the pavement. <laughs> uh, I, I was just a big thinking idea. I mean, I was a middle school teacher and you know, I'd done a lot of odd jobs and stuff. Dishwasher at the Lobster Inn on Long Island. So I did a lot of really unusual things, despite the fact that I had a philosophy degree from Cornell. You know, So oh, the whole thing nice. really makes sense. The whole thing makes sense when you see the big picture. But the basic idea was I still wanted to be a kid. I wanted to look cool. And I just had a whole lot of luck coming up with uh, coming up with the idea. I think one of the big moments was Jim said to me, I love this idea. What would you call it? And my my words were something like, I don't know, Big League Chew. It was like in the form of a that's question. Funny. And, like a joke. and Jim said, I like that. We'll go with that. You know, Jeez. pretty crazy. Stick with that. Yeah, great. No, a great yeah. story, and uh, you know the beginning of something that uh, truly uh, entrepreneurial. Uh, you know, and uh, has your uh, gum as the official baseball Hall of Fame uh, gum. Now, now it's interesting because we used to be able to mimic uh, all of the different uh, antics and uh, idiosyncratic movements uh, of our favorite players. I do remember myself having a Nelly Fox bat, and you're right; it was like holding a piece of lumber at uh, either <laughs> end, and. Uh, uh, he, he was, uh, you know, uh, always notoriously fouling off like a zillion balls while uh, chewing uh, on that tobacco, a real uh, hard-nosed uh, baseball player. Uh, uh, but when you said you were from Massapequa, I couldn't help but think, what was it, Freeport, Merrick, Belmore, Massapequa, Massapequa Park, Amityville, Copake, Lindenhurst, and Babylon uh, along the uh, Long Island Railroad train uh, <laughs> going into Shea. Now, were you too, Rob Nelson, as an aspiring uh, professional baseball player, very envious of the kids of Rockville Center when you blew by on the Long Island Railroad going into the city, that Rockville Center Little League field. They had that beautiful field there. I never got to play on that field. It's a funny thing living in Massapequa. It was, you know, my dad was just such a prototypical uh, guy in terms of Alec Baldwin is from Massapequa. And I heard him on public radio once talking about growing up in Massapequa. And he said, guys who were policemen, firemen, sanitation workers in the city would move out to Long Island and make a lot of them South Shore, uh, Massapequa area. And, uh, and he said, everybody had three to five kids and somehow found a way to put them through college. And it just made me laugh yeah. when I was driving along. I said, because that was my family. It was my two older brothers and I. And uh, I went to high school in, in Massapequa and, and went to college in the state of New York. And and we just had the, the absolute charmed life. When we moved into Massapequa in the middle 50s, the first thing my dad did was carve a big circle in the backyard. And everybody thought the Nelsons were putting in one of those four-foot-high above-ground swimming pools. But my dad was putting in a pitcher's mound. <laughs> you know, he wasn't taking dirt away. He was bringing dirt back in. And we had that mound there long after I was gone. And kids would be p pitching in the backyard. I'd come home from college and say to my mom, who are those kids in the backyard? And she said, I think they're from Beachwood Place. They come by here all the time. It was like we had a little mini public park on in Westwood Village in Massapequa. So it was a charmed life. 
you know, you talk about that Rockville Center Little League. I, our Little League All-Star team didn't do very well, but three years later, when we became the senior Little League, 13, 14, 15 years old, we actually ran the table. Massapequa International Little League won the World Series in Louisville, Kentucky. We beat Monterey, Mexico. We beat Brenham, Texas. It was just phenomenal. First baseball road trip I ever took. First time I was ever in a plane, 1964. It was the first year of Shea Stadium. We got to meet Ralph Kiner on the field. We were on Kiner's corner. I was living the dream. I was 15 years old, and I was just hoping, man, I hope this gets better. And, of course, it did. Who knew, right? It was right around that time, and uh, I can attest to the fact that uh, Massapequa, although uh, I don't know how, uh, you know, how strict they were about uh, birth certificate verification. Because <laughs> uh, I, I was pitching in a, a senior league game against the Massapequa All-Star team, which I, I would imagine was this tournament team. And I, I'll never forget, uh, and one of the good things about it, one of my fond memories is that uh, my dad knew nothing about baseball, but uh, he would attend the games that I was uh, pitching in uh, whenever he could. And, and uh, I got shelled in the first inning. Uh, by uh, these, this Massapequa team that, that all looked like, I mean, uh, they, they had Staten Island uh, birth certificates. Uh, like Fernando Valenzuela, <laughs> what was on the mound, I, I think. Uh, for, uh, <laughs> team somehow. I don't even think they cared where these guys lived. And uh, I remember giving up like, uh, you know, seven or eight runs in the first couple of innings and thinking, I, I can't get any of these guys out. So I actually signaled for the coach to take me out of the ball game. He said, well, uh, you're all we got. So I don't know. I suffered some, uh, you know, uh, really indignant loss there, uh, giving up about uh, 16 runs in the ball game. But uh, you had a monster, a bunch of monsters in that Massapequa Senior League team. Well, our team, you know, we had four teams in the league. I talk about this a lot with travel ball and the expense of baseball. We played at Carmen Road School. There were four teams. You had a you had a thirty percent chance of making the All Star team. You either walked to Carmen Road School Field or you took your bike, and you played on either Tuesday or Thursday, and Saturday at ten a.m. or one p.m. And that was the entire league. It was only sixty kids in the entire league, and we just had a good collection of guys. Now we didn't have enormous guys, but we did have guys who ended up going to Chaminade and and uh, Massapequa High and Burner High, where I went, and it was just. A good collection of guys. Uh, Detective Joe Quinn was our, our coach, uh, NYPD. Andy Sinise, the former mayor of Massapequa, was the assistant coach. It was like put together with Band-Aids. And we had no idea. And back then, it was a one-and-done tournament. We had a couple of close games. It was funny because uh, the, the Eastern Regionals were at Princeton at the university. We went 18 innings. Our star player, Richie Zoll, threw the first 12 innings. He's a 14-year-old kid. I threw the last six, and we won one nothing over Willingboro, New Jersey, on a pass ball. And and from that that victory at Princeton, we ended up going to Louisville, and uh, we were down four nothing to Monterey, Mexico. We ended up winning five four, and and then we beat a team from Iowa, and then Brenham, Texas. But we were just a ragtag collection of guys. It was like the early version of the Portland Mavericks, who really were the battered bastards of baseball. The Massapequa kids were just just kind of innocent about it. We had no idea. It was kind of like March Madness in that if you lost the game, you went home. There was no, there was no loser's bracket kind of thing. And uh, I, I couldn't believe our good luck on it. It's quite phenomenal. I don't know if it was all luck, uh, you know, and uh, as we were leaving after getting uh, absolutely annihilated uh, in uh, what might have been a first-round game of that tournament, uh, I don't know if you remember playing Belmore Senior League uh, at all uh, on that run, if that was part of it, but uh, 
Uh, I remember my dad, like I said, he knew nothing about baseball. And he said, uh, boy, you look good out there tonight, son. <laughs> a pleasant departure from the dead. usual Little League parent who would have said, you're not eating for a month after an abortive <laughs> performance like that. Uh, Luby's got something for you. We're talking about Rob Nelson, and uh, he's a man behind Big League Chew, which is the bubblegum that's in the Hall of Fame and replaced tobacco as an option uh, back in the days when you used to take like the entire box of bazooka bubblegum, uh, Luby, and, and chew all of it at once. And have like this uh, softball right. size. It looked like you, uh, you know, either were, uh, you know, stuffing a bowling ball in your face, or you had some form of childhood cancer. But uh, you would have this big, uh, you know, puffy cheek as you were playing ball. What, what, what do you got for Rob? Well, what was cool, Rob, about Big League Chew? And I was growing up, and I, I thought it had been something that had been around forever. I grew up in the '80s, so I remember like the Big League Chew was a big deal. Like you'd want to have it. You felt like you were doing the the spit without having, you know, any of the health concerns. But what was cool about it, it also tasted good. Because a lot of the time when you'd get the gum in the cards, like tops or whatever, it was from like, it literally was from 1945. So like, it was cardboard. Like Big League Chew was, it always felt fresh and always had a good taste. And it made you feel like you were a part of the game. You know, it's a funny thing about that. My brother Harry used to say sometimes he'd be chewing one of the cards and he thought it was the gum. Exactly. Yeah, it's like this inconsistency. <laughs> yeah, you're eating a checklist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or another Harry Cheaty card. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But, yeah, the whole idea was the fantasy. You know, one of the coolest things that, that I've read recently, government statistics that show the consumption of red man-style tobacco is down more than 75% from when Big League Chew first came out. And we took some heat in the beginning. Like, people thought we might have been a branch of Philip Morris or something. I said, no, that's not the point. The point is you want to have fun, you want to look cool, but you don't want to make yourself ill. And and that's what happened with Big League Chew. And the fact that, you know, we're at 900, I don't know, 40 million pouches sold. When you think about the first contract I had long ago with the Wrigley Company, uh, it was a three-year deal. They thought it would be a cute novelty. And then it just took a life of its own. Uh, now the gum is made, I'm really proud to say, it's made in western New York in Buffalo. Small company, Ford Gum. When Mars bought out Wrigley, I realized that I might be Bigley too, but with a company that large, I'm the 25th guy on the roster. Mm. And I really needed to find a smaller, more nimble company. And the guys at Ford Gum, just outside of Buffalo, just, just killed it. When I was looking for new companies, and I saw that there was somebody who was actually still making the gum in the U.S. Uh, my eyes lit up because uh, Double Balls made in Canada, Bazooka's made in Mexico. And, and not that I have anything against Canada or Mexico, but it just felt really good. And when I found out it was Buffalo, I immediately went to Warren Spahn, who grew up in Buffalo, and they filmed The Natural in Buffalo. And I had a bunch of teammates at Cornell from Tonawanda High School and Kenmore High School, and it just, it just felt right. And... Uh, been there almost 15 years now and those guys have just killed it it's just absolutely the greatest place i ever could have ended up when my brother harry was pitching in the new york Penn league i got to go on a road trip when i was 15 years old and uh went through that, that from from binghamton the triplets to auburn geneva batavia uh wellsville i just knew all those towns and going back to buffalo uh, through Buffalo, I said, man, this is just the perfect fit. So, you know, it's just one of those things. My, my brothers oftentimes tease me that it was like what I've had was like a Forrest Gump existence. Anywhere I went, it seemed, seemed something came up. I didn't make the Mavericks when I first went out there. 
So I asked Bing Russell if I could start a baseball day camp, a little Maverick baseball school. Can I use your players that don't play very much? I really want to stay in Oregon. I don't want to go back to the East Coast. I love the town. And things worked out. One of the kids was the son of a prominent patent and trademark attorney who, as it turned out, was also a Cornell guy. And Dan Chernoff did all the legal work for a song for me to get Big Lee Chu launched. And things like that time and time again have happened. That It was kind of like in those films where you say, well, I've got a barn and I've got a band. Let's put on a show. And that's what it feels like with Big League Chew. It just felt like everybody said, this is cool, and this is a pretty innocent guy who's a bit left-handed in the way he thinks, but he might be onto something. So I, you know, when they say it takes a village, mine took a hole bigger than a village. So many people helped me out. And I have to say, most of all, Jim Bounton. Jim Bounton was just, you know, his reputation, he was a bulldog. He was difficult to, go, difficult to get along with. Not in any way. He loved being a Portland Maverick, and he just... The thing about Jim is he had that little boy thing about no idea was too wacky. And just, you know, when you're in the bullpen and just shooting the breeze about the craziest things, whether it's politics or religion or who knew, baseball, uh, Jim was always in the middle of it, and it was always great. So I'm a very grateful left-hander. I had one win in three years as a minor leaguer. And as my brothers say, uh, my arm's not in the Hall of Fame, but my gum is. Nah. So you get you take what you can, you know. <laughs> Excellent stuff, uh, Rob. And, uh, of course, Jim Bouton, one of, one of the novel comebacks of all time uh, in any sport when uh, after being uh, a power pitcher when, when he was originally with the Yankees and a very entertaining guy to watch. He came back as a knuckleballer, and everybody thought he was out of his mind, as most knuckleballers are. I mean, right up there with Goldies in terms of uh, sanity quotient. And uh, he, he managed to get back to the big leagues uh, as a knuckleball pitcher. So, uh, uh, you know, everybody uh, should salute that fact that, uh, you know, he also had uh, appropriate maybe in the gum industry uh, that stick to itiveness when uh, everybody else is telling you you're crazy that uh, you know he, he could come back and accomplish something uh, rob uh, always a pleasure uh, and uh, you know the gum uh, the big league chew is still available in a lot of different places so that's great and uh, thanks so much for joining us a lot of fun i didn't realize it was you i, I don't know if you hit uh, during that uh, period of time when you were in massapequa but um, i i still i actually uh I have uh, some neck therapy scheduled later today because uh, I had never had to turn so fast to see balls rocketing. I mean, and they went all the way to the school, too, as I remember. I mean, just uh, all the way to the school. It was one of those things, uh, you know, I, I don't even think there was a fence on that field. And, you know, they, they would end up banking off, uh, you know, a wall that was like 500 feet away. Th thanks so much for being with us here on uh, After Hours with Tifo. I'm, 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 really, I'm really glad you recovered from that defeat. And uh, you guys are awesome. I, I just... I love preaching my gospel of gum, and you guys have given me that opportunity. So thanks so much. Yes, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Rob, thanks a lot. I, I shrugged that off, though, uh, Luby. I, I was screaming as I left the field. I want to see birth certificates. Birth certificates. <laughs> I, I think the uh, senior league on Long Island was for uh, kids that were like 13 and 14, which, uh, you know, th this is interesting because uh, – I don't know. I mean, it may not have been one of those tournament games. It might have been some kind of all-star game, but uh, I will never forget going against this Massapequa team of monsters as a 13-year-old and thinking these kids are, are not even kids. I mean, some of them are already out of the Army. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, very suspect. I mean, holy Danny Almonte, man. Uh, when was this kid born? You were thinking as they came to the plate. 
You ever had that happen to you where, where you know, you, you were pretty good at a sport and, and uh, certainly competitive at the level of, uh, you know, people in your equivalent age group or uh, weight class or, you know, whatever. And uh, and then you, you walk into a situation where you're completely overwhelmed. Oh, yeah. Where, where nothing you do works. You're, you're firing your, your most, uh, you know, high-velocity fastball, and, and these guys are treating it like they were in a slow-pitch machine there at the batting cage. <laughs> You know, just, I mean, you know, waiting, counting, you know, uh, talking to their girlfriend and then send one a rocket. <laughs> God forbid somebody should have hit one up uh, the middle uh, in that game. I, I would be a dead man uh, a long time ago. Uh, all right. Uh, speaking of dead, uh, Florida Panthers. Uh, we were all excited about this. Uh, two playoff games. Just wanted to touch on this. Uh, the gambling aspect, of course, uh, was in uh, playing in, in the uh, Celtic series. As uh, you were looking at the Celtics, a, a, a you know somewhat. I mean, I don't know that that's prohibitive uh, to be minus one seventy five, but for a team that's uh, you know not uh, in in possession of home court advantage and finished behind the other team in the regular season, and, and is going against a club that uh, had a much easier time uh, in the uh, you know in, in the second round of the playoffs anyway than you did, uh, you know, albeit facing uh, not quite as significant of an opponent, but with injuries to Embiid. Uh, and, and their favorite in game number one, uh, the Miami Heat, were, uh, you know, it, it was surprising to me to see the Celtics as minus 175 favorites to series. win the series. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Very surprising. Now, now speaking of degeneracy, so uh, the Celtics uh, up eight at halftime, uh, end up losing in the second half, uh, and uh, they got blown off the planet there at the start of the third quarter. I, I think even DJ Khaled had a layup off the steel <laughs> by Jimmy Butler uh, during that period of time. This gave Vincent to uh, nobody knew anything about until he was playing for, uh, what, Nicaragua or something <laughs> in the Olympics. Wasn't that it? Uh, no, not Nicaragua. Some, uh, oh, Nigeria. Country. He was with Nigeria, uh, yeah. Uh, formerly with Miami Heat, now with the Toronto Raptors, uh, Precious Achua. Yes, he, yeah. they were on uh, And Nigeria. they had another guy that was well. in the NBA also. Yes, yes, that, yes, yes, and they played really well. Played really well, yeah. They beat the U.S. in one of those preliminary games, and everybody was uh, screaming, uh, oh, my God, can you believe this? Uh, you know, uh, Popovich has lost it. Was Pop still the coach of the U.S. team then? Yes, this was Might his, have been last his last go. Time. It was his last go-around, yeah, yeah. It's going to become, I Oh, think, yeah, he looked sick the entire current, time, didn't he? Or, I suppose going to be involved. It's, they're, they're moving it on, I think. All right, we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, no surprise to see the Heat uh, no. win that ball game, but uh, nonetheless, and uh, they were one-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, they end up winning... Uh, the ball game, 118-107, uh, 22-2 Blitzkrieg at the start of the third quarter. And uh, that was it for the Boston Celtics. So uh, if you thought that the Celtics uh, were, were going to cave at some point because they had just played on Sunday against the Milwaukee Bucks and then had to go on a road, very typical uh, to uh, you know see the uh, team that uh, is in that situation go down in the opening game of the ensuing playoff series. And then, uh, Luby, uh, you, know, you, you thought we were on to something there. With our Florida Panthers in the NHL, most difficult trophy to win by far, the Stanley Cup trophy, because you come out of one bloodbath, no cupcakes uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, unless uh, you happen to be right now the Colorado Avalanche. And, and even they have faced some difficulty in uh, sweeping the first five games uh, that they played in the Stanley Cup postseason. But uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers, we know this, that there is bad blood between those two teams. They go to the third period tied at one apiece. And the Panthers continue their utter futility. I mean, complete, total futility on the power play. Now 0 for 22 in the Stanley Cup postseason, which uh, they were an efficient power play team. They were third in the league in power play goals during the regular season. Yes, so it wasn't great. like they were awful. 
And they keep generating chances, as they say, but it's Johnny Mathis time. Chances are they just uh, can't capitalize on any of them. And they found themselves uh, then uh, trailing 2-1 in the third about, well, a little more than midway through. And and it became 3-1 and 4-1, and it became Sayonara City here. Now with a pivotal game, too, coming up uh, tomorrow night. And what we thought was going to be, I, I, I thought the uh, Panthers would do well last night. But I that's two stinkeroos in a row they've thrown in first game of the postseason. Yes. They lost, in the I two think, series actually they seven straight game ones or something. Six straight game ones. It's ridiculous how many game ones in a row they've lost. And last night, continue that trend. Ugliness, yeah. I mean, there was just uh, blatant ugliness uh, last night. So uh, tomorrow night, uh, they'll uh, resurrect those two series. And, of course, you have the uh, Rangers going uh, tonight in in their second round. And that'll be a big thing uh, on the East Coast and especially uh, in New York as the Rangers take on the uh, mighty Carolina Hurricane. And uh, the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, I mean, dynamite team during the regular season. Well, uh, you know, grizzled veteran uh, club that, you know, seems to uh, know how to compete in the postseason as well. Uh, they were the survivors of a seven-game series against the Boston Bruins. And uh, the Rangers uh, prevailed in seven games of the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, uh, interesting matchup there. And uh, what else? Uh, you have uh, the Golden State Western Conference yes. playoff Warriors series Mads gets underway. Tipping off today. Yes, sir. Is Dallas being completely dismissed yes. in this thing? Yes. 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 <laughs> a survey, literally, of uh, basketball fans. I, 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 would, I would imagine you would find more than 80 and, and even close to 90% of people are convinced that Golden State not only will win this series, but probably will beat whoever comes out of the East and, and win the NBA championship this year. I agree. Would you say that's a I fair statement? Warriors. I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen, but uh, would you say it's a fair statement? Yeah, it's a fair statement. It's what people are thinking. It's what I think. I think the Warriors... Should win this series easily, and as a Heat fan, I, I'm not putting them past the Celtics anytime soon, but if they get past the Celtics, I would make the Warriors the definitive favorite over the Heat, or the Celtics. All right. We'll see if uh, that, that comes to pass, uh, yes, and uh, you know, most people are putting their money squarely on the uh, Golden State Warriors, uh, thinking that the Golden State Warriors have gotten it together, they have have all their players back, they, they seem to be in a pretty good groove. They did handle Memphis, although uh, they had that one ugly blowout game. And then uh, they also uh, ended up winning that series without having to contend with Jean Morant uh, later on. So, uh, you know, that that turned out to be a very, very convincing uh, victory for Golden State in in the long run. And uh, nobody gives uh, Dallas a chance tonight. Although uh, four and a half point underdogs, uh, the Dallas Mavericks in this thing. And I don't see uh, odds for the series here on this page I'm looking at, but uh, I would imagine Golden State uh, is what? Probably uh, you, you might have to lay two, more one. than two to one yeah, if you want to take uh, to one. I mean, Golden they, State, three to one, something like that. the definitive favorite, yeah. All right, we'll see what happens there. Uh, a lot of things coming up over the weekend. We'll yes, get into sir. that uh, tomorrow on uh, After Hours PGA, Tiger Woods, 70 to 1. We will also talk with the one and only Len Robbins tomorrow right here. Oh, Len Robbins going to join us. Always, yes, uh, always a pleasure to have Len. On the program. All right. Uh, thanks for uh, tuning in. Catch the Defo Show. That's uh, available uh, anywhere. You just have to uh, Google the Defo Show. That's yes, D E F O. Uh, Louie and I do a couple of hours every morning of uh, morning drive uh, audio and video streaming yes, on sir. the East Coast of the United States, uh, South Florida, where we originate. So uh, that's why we have uh, such a heavy concentration and all of the anxiety over uh, yet another brick of a performance <laughs> Panthers. by the Florida Panthers. Barry Trotz behind a bench I'm next year you, if they go out in this I'll, series. Barry that Trotz. Be, that would be great. There's your it's prediction. What he did with the Capitals. Is, he took a really good team that couldn't get over the hump 
and won their first title. Like, that's what I think it would take for the Panthers to win. Yeah. I mean, it might be a good move, although uh, they're, they're not inclined. I don't think they're inclined to go. They did go with an older guy in Joel Quenville. No, they went with a big name in Quenville. Why not go with a grizzled veteran, uh, yeah. you know, NHL coach who has a proven track record and a Stanley Cup under his belt? He knows what it takes to win. Look, he, exactly. he knows what it takes to win. There you go. All right, uh, we know what it takes to win, and that's getting out of here on time. So uh, we're going to make our exit here uh, on this uh, Wednesday edition of After Hours with Defoe and Luby. He's Michael Luby Lubitz. I'm Jeff DeForest. Thanks for uh, downloading the program and or telling your friends about it. Catch the Defoe Show, as we said, the uh, Defoe Show, the D-E-F-O Show. And uh, you hear a lot more of our stuff, and uh, it's always a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, we have a trivia program coming up tomorrow there, and then uh, Degenerate Friday, which is a big hit on the uh, local scene uh, and we'll feature Kate and Bradar uh, of TVG fame on the Preakness where I am betting the horse named after my dog, there Skippy Longstocking. There you go. Skippy's the name of the dog. Yes, I, I don't know that anything associated with Longstocking <laughs> doesn't have a particularly <laughs> no. unusual marking on any of his legs. No. <laughs> what do you make of that part of it? Is that like a sign to stay you off just this nag? No. Just don't talk yourself out of it. Go with that. That's a nice connection. It's worth a shot. All right. Skippy Longstocking, the nine ball. There you go. Uh, with Epicenter, I think I go eight, nine box for about $50, and uh, that'll do it. There you go. So I have no other inclination as to what's going to happen. What about the Philly, Dwayne Lucas? That could be some story, huh? Wins no the Preakness? No idea. No? No. No idea. All right, Louie. It's like you talking to me about the intricacies of the uh, trap in soccer. Exactly. There you go. No clue. <laughs> no clue. I'll right, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, and uh, remember, no matter what you're doing in life, uh, you always have to maintain the thought and the uh, premise that you got to believe. Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style. And you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette, in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park. Since day one of Old School, we've had Catholic Health Services be part of our family. They are recognized as the quintessential rehab facility in the southeast for strokes. But it goes well beyond strokes because Catholic Health Services is in the community of South Florida to help the community stay healthy. And if they're not healthy, get them healthy and get them back on their feet quicker than they could have ever expected. They do it every single day. It's step and repeat 24-7 Catholic Health Services. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.